Hello everybody and welcome to WTS 200. 200 baby. It was like you were coming up with a new jingle there Danny. Uh, I I have a great idea in my head for a jingle that one day I'm going to launch upon you and the listeners when you least expect it. I kind of figured. I think people are expecting things wraps up 200 gram. And there's a go like, Hello everybody, welcome to WTS 200. Uh, no, there's no reference to the number episode we're on. All right. So yeah. everything but number. Kinda, to be <laughs> fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it could be a Christmas number one, though. Really? Yeah, I do. But um, yeah, man, 200 episodes. Nearly five years. Congratulations, Dan. Congratulations, my friend. Who would have thought, who would have thought way back in June 2015 that, you know, sitting there in Lindsay Doyle's gym, <laughs> we'd be here 200 episodes and five years later. Nobody, Graham. Nobody, no. not even us. <laughs> no, de- definitely. But, sure, look, we're here. We are here, yeah. We we we've said uh, goodbye to Lindsay on that road, uh, like a hundred and seventy something episodes ago. It's not like it was yeah. recent there, yeah. um, but yeah, yeah. Lindsay was there at the start. Um, Fitzpatrick Castle came on as supporters during that time. They still support us today. They're great people. Couldn't recommend that hotel highly enough to anyone. And uh, we've made a lot of friends along the way, Graham. We have, like who, Danny? Oh, I mean, if you go way back, way back to arguably the most cringe-fest interview we've ever done, Tony McGregor was our friend. <laughs> Someone tweeted me about that. Pe- oh, no, uh, that's the only reason it's in my head. I completely forgot about it, and I was like, I'm never listening to that. I should actually put that behind a paywall. People should have to, <laughs> People want to hear how cringy that is. They should have to pay us for the pleasure. I uh, thought it was good. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean... You know, it's good for the had, time. Uh, yeah, yeah, to be fair it was. But uh, yeah, I mean, Paul Howard is probably our most frequent and well-loved friend alongside Gary Mackle, of course. Yeah. But there's been some quite high-profile guests along the way, Graham, on this merry little journey we've been on. Like George Foreman? Like Big George Foreman, who was in my phone as Big George. <laughs> Of course he is. Yeah, I dropped so him a text that I dropped him a text at Christmas saying Merry Christmas. No, you didn't. I did. I did. He didn't write really back. There's uh, there's Diamond Dallas Page. D D P. Yeah, that's right. Who rang you on a Sunday about four weeks after he was on yeah, the app? He did ask. Yeah, yeah, encouraging me to do more yoga. There was uh, the, the most surreal experience. I was just going to say the most surreal experience was her ringing my mobile phone one day. He said, when we get this podcast going? I was like, what the fuck? Is this for real? Yeah. Um, Becky Lynch. We've had, uh, you know, no big deal or anything, but we had a private concert of Christy Moore. Oh, that was my favourite. I was going to say, that, that's your highlight. Whatever that's my highlight. I could have retired after that. Yeah. Two live shows. Yep. A lot of laughs. A lot of tears, a lot of you scratching your beard into the microphone. Not anymore. 
Not anymore, because you're, you're, you're groomed now. About the time we got rid of them beard nits. Oh, yeah. I think I looked Several, several mispronounced words. <laughs> Cul-de-sac. <laughs> um, one day, if we ever get time, I'll go back and I'll just make like a mega mix of you saying things wrong. <laughs> no, you won't. You won't do that. I won't. Far too much editing involved, I won't. I definitely I'd won't. I'd love for you to do that. That'd be hilarious. Um, the most effort I've ever gone to was probably making that video of you with your comb in the middle. Okay, who were we interviewing when you took out uh, your beard comb and started? Alan Gernon, was it? Alan Gernon, it was, yeah. Mm. Jesus, man. But uh, yeah, that's all in the past, Graham. Finn Balor, Finn Balor was amazing. Yeah, that's all I forgot about Finn Balor, yeah. Jesus. That was that was in our first year, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah. Um, first six months. Dave McWilliams, PJ Gallagher. Joanne McNally, Joanne who's coming back soon. McNally, yeah, she is indeed. Looking forward to that, as always. Um, she's oh, taking off, isn't she, Joanne? Like, as in the last few, three years. Oh, she's fucking rocket-strapped, man. Still yeah. fucking rocket-strapped. Um, but uh, one of my favourite guests over the years was uh, your man who wrote Stranger in the Woods and uh, yes. True Story. Definitely I, I one can't of the order. That's that's bad crack out of me. I really should have looked at that. Joshua, was it? No, Joshua Levine was a, a, a different author we had on recently. He was on more recently. Uh, he was a lovely bloke, actually. He talked to us about kind of Dunkirk and World War Two and stuff. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, hang on. I'm going to get his name. I'm going to edit all this out to make me sound like I knew what I was talking about. Yeah, very good. That was a great one, though, because I, I, I had just recently watched the video or the, the movie. And then you said, let's get him on. I was like, that's a fucking great suggestion. Yeah. Um, I forgot to say, he won't give me the author's name. Michael Finkel. Michael oh, that's Finkel. who it was, yeah. yeah he was, I also he... loved the... Sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say, he was he, just because the story was incredible, he was one of my favourite guests. Yeah. I loved the North Korea one back in the day as well. North Korea one was something. There's been so many fucking great podcasts we've done. I'm going to... I'm self-indulge a little bit here because I mean 200 is a good milestone you know what I mean absolutely and of course friend of the show and just all round good egg Keith Kelly was probably one of my favourite episodes yeah and, that was uh, one of the most kind of uh, surreal episodes I think real it, it real oh. yeah yeah exactly yeah man it, like, it was, the amount of people that reached out after that was fucking phenomenal, phenomenal yeah. um, and I'd yeah, like to think you. I'd like to think that it definitely played a part in progressing the conversation, you know? Um, yeah. Same, the, the episodes you've done with the brilliant Caroline McGuigan, I think I've done a lot of good in uh, not just our community, but in a lot of places in terms of raising awareness around mental health. Absolutely. But uh, on, on Keith, and we'll be talking about this way more coming up to the time, Jumpers for Goalposts have something special coming up. They do, yeah, June 13th. Saturday, June 13th, we want... Uh, communities in each county of Ireland, all 32 counties, to participate in a game of jumpers for goalposts. So, um, yeah, that's it, really. Hopefully, we can get each county participate and get your photos in. You can either get the jumpers for goalposts Facebook page, or you can put it on WTS Twitter, Key Kelly Twitter, Mark Merrigan Twitter, Gray Merrigan Twitter, um, Digital Dub, Michael Nolan Twitter. Just hit us up on all of those. Um, and yeah, June twenty-eighth. Um, look forward to it. I'll I'll head along. 
I'll head along. Um, but enough back slapping and self congratulating over the last 200 episodes, Graham. On to the next 200 episodes. Yes. Do you want? Do you want to do the intro? Um. No, you do the intro. No, I'll go on. I. You. You so have for a. The, for, for this, me and Danny hung up last week from our interview, and we're like, "Holy shit!" With with the lovely Ethan Moore, and we're kind of realizing that that's one nine nine. Holy shit! And we didn't really put much thought into two hundred. So, uh, this person, we tried to get him before, and. Um, we just couldn't get it over the line. So then I messaged him on Valentine's Day of all days. He wrote back within a few minutes, and uh, he agreed. He said he'd love to. So, ladies and gentlemen, WTS two hundred is with the amazing Michael Conlon. How are you, Mick? Oh, good, mate. Oh, good. Oh. How how's how um? You've got a fight coming up on Paddy's Day. How are you? How are you? How's preparation? Oh, well, I'm over here now in, in Surrey training. Um, tra- training's going really good. That's where I'm basing myself is is Surrey. So um, I'm over here with Adam Booth and 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 the team and and the spawn and stuff. I'm getting is very 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 good. So I'm in a good place physically, mentally, and I'm I'm excited for some party day again. Would you usually base yourself over there for um, pre-fight? I was where I've been now the last two years. Um, since I went with Adam, this is this is where I've been based the whole time. Um, it's sound. You know, I mean, it's it's close to home. Um, if I need to get back and see the kids and stuff, uh, which I don't really do too much, you know, because I like that kind of warrior mindset. They don't need to soften myself up. But uh, yeah, it's it's sound. It's good. There's a lot of uh, a lot of people here for spawn and stuff, so it's not too bad. So there's no so, distractions then. Nah, sorry, is 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 the back of our of nowhere. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah listen, man, yeah. I'm in Port Leash, so I know exactly what you mean. Um, <laughs> so, so when you're 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 in the middle of camp now, so yeah. I'm and you're saying like that warrior mindset. So, is camp for you literally, you know, pull down the shutters and that's it? Just let me get me boxing going and nothing. There's now as well as few distractions as possible. Like, no, I don't mind a little bit of razzmatazz, man. Man, you know what I mean? Never, never. <laughs> Cameras in, ever sponsors I need to go and see. No mm. problem at all. Um, it doesn't really bother me. I, I have a good mindset when I'm in training that nothing's going to stop me. And yeah. I'll just keep bursting myself and bursting myself. And obviously recovering when I need to recover. But I, I push my limits every time, every training camp. And, and more so over the last, I'd say, maybe since the start of last year. It's kind of got real that I'm not going to be unboxing for more than five more years. I need to fucking give it everything. I don't drink. I drink once a year, maybe. So yeah. And I would have used to. I used to like a drink, but I know that this is a short career, and I know that when I'm when I'm doing it, I need to give it a hundred and ten percent every single time, because if if something goes wrong and if something gets fucked up. In professional boxing, there's, there's no team to blame. It's yourself. The book stops for me. So yeah. everything I do, training-wise, you know, outside of training, is all kind of focused on one thing, and that's the main goal, is, is winning. You so, know when, what like, what was the, what's the transition like from the amateur ranks to professional? Is it a, a smooth progr- uh, uh, transition, or is, is there any challenge? 
more challenges are? It's it's a completely different sport. You know, it's 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 Usain Bolt trying to run a marathon. You know what I mean? That's the kind of thing. Box amateur boxing is a sprint. Um, it's focused more on scoring points and eye catching shots, whereas you know professional boxing is is a long distance run where you're able to break someone down and take your time and change pace up down up down up down and you know it's like you can go out and win the first three rounds doesn't mean you're going to go and win the fight you know what I mean that's it's completely different uh completely different games you need to kind of have tactics and uh, and stuff for a longer kind of a longer game but for me I think it was it was probably it was probably tough enough to, to, for the transition at the start because this year now it will be my twenty second twenty second year in boxing. Um, I've been in boxing a lifetime, and eighteen of those years was in the amateurs. So that was his style. And and let's be honest, I thought I completed the amateurs. I did like mm-hmm. you know uh, first Irish one ever to win, you know that that world championship and and everything else. I won every other gold medal you could win. Barred Olympic gold, um, and that was took away from me, you know, without my kind of control. But I had perfected that style of boxing, so for me, and that took 18 years. So for me, to kind of be able to switch it up and change a completely different style, different things, different movements, um, yeah, it took a wee bit of time. You mentioned there, Mick, the just the, the Olympics and. I, I get the kind of irony of asking you this question, but do you get sick of people bringing up Rio now? Is it just you've put it to bed kind of thing? You've you got revenge, so to speak, mm-hmm. late last year. Like it, it, that, that's it. You're kind of done with it now. We don't want to talk about it anymore. What does like people are going to bring it? Nothing I can do about it. You know, I mean, people, hmm. people, people know me for, and and well. Let's be honest with in Ireland, I became the sports personality before. Um, before the Olympics, so it was already kind of a household name, and obviously from maybe the 2012 Olympics, but kind of what shot me to stardom all around the world was the the flipping flipping the judges off and throwing uh, <laughs> the fenders up. That's I I don't look back with any anger on that. I look back at that going, that was a win. No, no matter yeah. what the situation, but even though I won, I should have won the fight. That was a win. If you look at the Olympic Games now and any of the Olympic champions, two of those Olympic champions have boxed in my undercard. Silver mm. medals have all fought my undercard. I haven't fought in anybody else's undercard bar world champions. So well, it's it's it can kind of it's it says it for itself. With Rio, does it bother me people saying it? Before the Keaton fight, I was like, I'm sick of it. Oh, I'm I put it to bed and then we'll stop talking about it. But people are always going to want to talk about it. So yeah, yeah. Why, why kind of? Turn my back on it. It is, it is who I am. It is what I've done, and it's something that I love. So, fuck it. You know what I mean? Did you know? You knew before then you were going to turn pro. I was turning pro already, huh? but yeah. it, it made the kind of thing even better. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be honest, in the in the in the immediate, like the first kind of forty minutes right after, after I'd done the RT interview and stuff, and I was backstage in the change room. And I was fucking in disbelief, kicking and fucking. I was, I was crying and stuff. And the uh, fighters were coming up me because fighters were still getting ready to fight. And they were coming and giving me hugs and said, You won that, you won that, no way you lost. And I was like, I fucked up here because I went and just went crazy on TV and talked so much shit. Nobody's going to want to be involved with that. Then I lifted my phone 
looked at my Twitter, and at this scene, it just went off, and I went, fucking right. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's roll with this. Like that evening and stuff, that evening of, of hanging up, many people know this. CNN asked me to come come to like one of their like hotel rooftop uh, studio kind of thing to do an interview about corruption boxing. I was on the hang saying they're corrupt as fuck and like going in on it and all like telling them all the things I'd just been told. And uh, I was like, it, it runs right to the core and they're always doing it. So I'm glad I called it out and all this here. And they were like, they want to launch an investigation there and then. So I was like, fucking right, let's run with it. That's hilarious. Good riddance, like that's what your message was that I owed that day. You know what? I'll be honest. See the see the finger thing flipping flipping the judges off. Like I'd planned to do it before. Like they fucked me up in one of the kind of qualification tournaments, and I didn't think I was going to get a qualifier on the first attempt. And then I was like, I'm not going to bother going through all this long process of qualifying for Olympics. So they fucked me over. Come the end of this tournament, if I haven't qualified. I'm flipping the judges off, and it looked really unlikely. So I planned after that fight, after my last fight, and I needed to win the last fight, and someone else needed to lose, who I didn't think would lose. Ended up losing, but the guy ended up losing. I won, and the fight was that. I made that fight that tough because I just went in the trend and sparked the guy. because was like, I'm going pro after this. I don't care. I'm just going to knock this guy out. Because of boxed like that, I made it really tough. And after, I was too fucked to even do it. because the crew, it, was in, it was in Venezuela, and the crowd was amazing. They're like, oh yeah. man, I was thinking of Venezuela in this big cauldron of like all, all they were all poor too, and like there was like it was just open for them, and they were all Venezuela, Venezuela, and the end when I won, I just like clapped the crowd, and then Paddy ran over to me and said, "You qualified, you qualified," and me, thank fuck, I didn't give the fingers. <laughs> You'd have been shocked. Very fucking well, right in the place, man. And then I had to went to the Olympics. I would have been like, ah, oh, the right was on the wall. I'm very good. <laughs> just yeah, you mentioned there the crowd for, for Venezuela and that. This will be what your tour fourth time fighting in Madison Square Garden now. Fourth, fourth, yeah. What what's what's that like for you, man? <laughs> that's something. That's that's a, that's a, an atmosphere which would rival any atmosphere in the world. It's like it's just a collision. And you know what? Even from the first time, like the first time, I remember everything in the built-up machine room stuff, like fucking McGregor and stuff there, and I was warming up. I was nervous as fuck because I was like, right, there's so much expectation here. What happens if I walk out and get banged out of it? These rings are in fear. Famous sports people and like top sports people who say they don't have fear and they don't care for ring. That's bullshit. Listen, I shit myself. I'd be fucking <laughs> like, fuck me. No way. I hate the shit. And then like when you get in there, it's sing. But so all the kind of backstage stuff, I was warming up and I was like, fuck, fuck me. Like everything running from my head, right? Can't do this, can't do that, can't do that. And I was nervous. And then as soon as that the doors opened for me to walk out, the nerves just went away. It was like, fuck me, yeah, I'm home. I'm home. This is unbelievable. And like I didn't feel any nerves at all walking to the ring. Now as soon as I get in the ring on the debut, I was like, I need to finish this right away. So I just kind of stale everything, just went out the window. I went in, tried to rush it, looked didn't look too great, but got the job done. And just it was just like I was like and my whole body had like stiffened up and took a Viagra and was <laughs> trying to blast the guy out of it. But um, I was glad I was glad to get the to get to get that win. But it was I, I thought I I I when what I stood up for for that for that fight and I don't 
I don't rem- I remember remarking uh, to my brother that you look so cool, calm, and collective. There was a a camera with you and your brother Jamie in in the hallway at the back, and I was like, look at him, he looks so fucking confident. He's going to spark him and all. You look, I thought you looked so calm. It's interesting to hear though that that's you, you weren't feeling like that. See, deep down, see, no matter what anybody says, when 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 you're going into a fight, you're going into something, do something that your body doesn't really want to do. No one who really loves confrontation, who really loves getting in there to possibly get hit and and, and give hits. You know, the human the human human nature isn't isn't about that really. Like it's not about violence. And you're going into like a controlled violence where you're the guy who is the gladiator. You're the guy that has to entertain. You're the guy that has to win. You're the guy the expectations on. So there was there was an awful lot of things running through your head. Now, since the debut, it's been different. I mean, uh, every time I go now, I'm, I'm, I am cool, calm, collected. It's no problem. But that first anticipation of it all was like, what the fuck happens if I walk out here and everything just goes wrong? What happens? Like, what do you do? It's like, I don't know. I still this day, I don't know what happened. If I had a walk out in my day, you know what, everything went wrong. That would have been fucking a nightmare. But, um, then you wake up, but what happens if you wake up on the floor and you go, what the fuck? Yeah. I've been boxed. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, but, I remember nah, watching yeah. it as well and thinking uh, <clears throat> thinking McGregor was a bit of a distraction. It was almost like he was trying to coach you at times. I was like, get away from him, leave him. He has his coaches. Nah, he was all right. He was. He, he brings big energy. Like I've, I've, met, I've been with Connor when the cameras aren't there and, and he's not the same person. He's a fucking great person. But when the cameras are there, it's like... Switch flicks and uh, and he goes into Conor McGregor, mega mega MMA superstar. You know what I mean? He goes into that famous person. Whereas when the cameras aren't there, he's not. He's normal, and that's that's his that's his thing, and that's why he is so big, and that's who, who he is. So cameras were he was going to be his guy. Um, it was the day he announced himself to the boxing world and called out Floyd. So you know he can thank me for that and give me some three million if he wants. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, now listen. It was it, he. It wasn't much of a distraction because it was just it was. He actually gave me got some good advice. You no, know, just being like calm in the chaos and stuff, which was good. But to be honest, I probably just wanted the early year as soon as he taught said it because I was just kind of like, let's get the shit done. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, uh, the uh, I remember there being a little bit of kind of chatter because when you walked out, you came out to Celtic Symphony, and some people got their back up. Yeah, yeah, and then I've always been curious about kind of, you know, do do you get to pick your own song? Does somebody pick it for you? We had George Foreman on this podcast before, and he talked about how he loved ABBA. And really, like, yeah, you're singing <laughs> "Dancing Queen" and all with us, man, right? So I was like, I was like, I wonder, like, you know, what I mean, did did he would he like to walk out to ABBA? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just it's. <laughs> You come out now to, to Grace, isn't it? And um... oh, Grace. Grace and Celtic Symphony was last year. Um, mm. Obviously, it upset a lot of people. It wasn't meant to upset anyone. Nah, anybody. nah, nah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't, and that's the truth. Like, it wasn't meant to upset anybody. What it was meant for was the atmosphere. And you yeah. see the atmosphere created when you're there. That created a cauldron. That guy is a good fighter who I beat last year. And mm. he, he just went in himself. He didn't know what the fuck was going on. Um, I didn't. I to be honest, I didn't know when I got to the ring. When I stood up on the ring, it would be going ooh, ah, bra. I was like, "Fuck's sake!" 
<laughs> it's like, I, no, no, I was just like, because as soon as I stood up, as I stepped onto the ring, and it goes, and it said, and then when I was in the ring, because the atmosphere was so good, they played the music for another two minutes. Yeah. I was like, it just it was just like throwing salt on the wind, you know what I mean? A very yeah. was like offended. It was just like tss. so <laughs> do I regret it? No, because it was one of the best but one of the best atmospheres of my life. Did I mean to offend anybody? No. Um, I, like I, I did I had to, I had to go on and say, sorry to the people who were offended because I didn't mean to offend us. And that's the truth. I, it's not a big the bone or whatever you want to say in my body and obviously I know the kind of history and people get offended by everything but we're in a world where there's snowflakes everywhere and anybody's going to get offended someone will get offended if I say boo you know what I mean that's that's the kind of thing nowadays there was no offense in it they regret it not not one what not one bit in my life um I think I may have probably lost one or two sponsors um because really? but do I regret that no because you live by the sword, you die by the sword, and that's the way you gotta be. I don't regret anything. If I was to go and say I regret it, I'd be a fool. I, 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 to be honest, I actually like watching it back and seeing the atmosphere and seeing that yeah. end because that's that when when Floyd Mayweather talks about opponents and facing opponents, and he says they had never been under the lights. I've been fucking under the lights since day one. I've had those atmospheres since day one. I've had that pressure since day one. So it's something I'm very grateful for. How did the um, how did the WWE superstar Finn Balor then uh, he he was holding the flag for you as well? How did that come about? So I met Finn. So that was last year. The previous year I met Finn. WWE were doing some show. I think they were doing one of their shows the same night as me. Um, so me and Finn kind of done like a appearance together, and I met him in, and we got to know each other and talked and stuff. And I tell you what, Finn Balor's one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. One of the most down-to-earth people you'll ever meet. And I really, I, I really, really like the guy. Um, so we kind of just kept in touch and always talking and stuff. Went and watched him um, with, with my missus at the, at, the, at the show and he was brilliant. It was class. So stayed in touch and then top rank says, listen, Finn's flying in. Do you, do you want him to walk out with you? And I said, 100%. And Finn says, can I come out? You want to carry the belt? He says, nah, I want to carry the flag. And I was like, 100%, you carry the flag. So he carried the flag. He belted out Celtic company himself. He loved the Columbus dance. He was going, graffiti at the world. <laughs> Brilliant. So, so is, that, is that you saying you and Finn Balor at WrestleMania in a couple of years? It's going to happen, man. Uh, 100%. <laughs> that be a handsome pay packet. Oh, definitely, definitely. You were recently on the Tommy Tiernan show. Well, what was that um, experience like, considering he doesn't know the guests? It was brilliant. It was brilliant. I was more nervous about him not knowing who I was, but he knew who I was. He didn't know much about me, but he knew who I was. He was the boxer. So it was like, at least you know I'm a fucking boxer, because I was always <laughs> like, I don't know fucking clue you are. <laughs> but at least he knew who I was, and uh, he knew a little bit. So um, it was great. You know, it was great. And, and obviously... The shows are edited as well, so it was much more talked about. And I did talk a lot more about the mental health side of things because I am doing a, an awful lot of campaigning on that. Um, as you know, like in the north, the mental health epidemic we have um, is getting really out of control. And uh, 
at Wet and Seen Families uh, um, doing an awful lot of campaign. They've got a public letter wrote to the health minister who still hasn't answered a call them out. Now, many times actually called them out on the show, live on TV, but they didn't show it. Um, call them out now, Mick. I will call them out. You know, Minister Schwann, we've asked for the two, we've asked for a lot of things in the open letter, but, you know, the two main things is is the waiting times to be cut down and obviously the funding to be doubled. So, again, I'm asking you to please read the letter, sign it, and make the changes you can because you can make them and save an awful lot of lives today. So please do it. Um, it's a it's a it's a bad epidemic. It's it's bad. Like I I went and seen families and it might sound I've said this I've said it to families as well and it might sound bad me saying it, but I don't care about the people who are gone. It's not about them. It's the people who are left behind I care about. And I went up and seen recently. Um, I was asked to go up and see a little boy who's ten. His brother, sixteen, took his own life. And uh, I went up and talked to him. He was a boxer and stuff, and he was loving it, doing pals and all with him. But then, like, his dad was saying, like, no, he's going to do it for his brother and stuff, and he broke down. And I broke down just seeing the family. Yeah. To be honest, I, I, I cried. And I, I even thinking about it now, it gets me emotional because you see the devastation left behind when people go. It's like people care, people do care. But when you're gone, no one's going to really care because you're gone. You can't care. They're going to miss you, yes. They're going to they're going to say they loved you and, and all this here, 100% they do. But they love you more when you're here. And that's the thing. When, when when you go, you're gone. There's nothing else. There's no afterlife. There's no nothing. You're in the ground. And your conscious is, is just disappeared, evaporated. Ah, man, it's, it's, it's horrible. Like, as a sports star and, and, and one of Ireland's greats at the moment... Um, there is no obligation for sports stars per se to take up social issues like that. Is that something that's really important to you? That that you can use your influence for that? It's, it's something that I've seen my whole life. I've seen it in, in Belfast. I have friends who have done it. I've I've and friends of friends, everything. People who have known growing up have all not all, but a lot of them have um, took their own lives. There's like. There's more people die in Northern Ireland per year by suicide than die from road accidents. And you see how much of the like the money put into all the kind of awareness about road safety and everything like that. More people die by suicide. More people have died by suicide since the Troubles, since the Good Friday Agreement. More people have died from suicide than actually died as the direct result of the Troubles. So more people died from suicide since the Troubles than actually died in a war. Well, what's the stat that blows my mind? A fucking war, more people's died since, since you say. It's crazy. What it, For me, being a sports person um, and seeing people in my own community and seeing, seeing families who are left behind, um, I have, I think I have a, a role to play. I'm a working class kid and I see the effects in, in working class areas. I come from West Belfast, which not long ago I had the highest suicide rates in Europe. If I can do anything, to change that, help the next generation of, of people from my community, 100%. Doing this uh, and making an impact in that is better than any boxing achievement I'll ever have. So that's my main goal. After boxing, not even during boxing, my goal now is to combat suicide as much as I can. Brilliant. Here, here, man. Yeah, fair folks. That's unbelievable. Like it's something that uh, yeah, we we've we've had. 
a good few guests kind of talk about mental health before and um it's something that we've we've tried to help through different organizations here as well you know and uh graham's involved with jumpers for goalposts which is a, a men's mental health thing as well it's that's a brand organization but i think part of it is even just getting people like you talking about it just yeah. getting people talking about it will do so much to make people realize that you know this is happening and the only way to make it that that we can help it and the only way that we can help people through these things is to remove that stigma and get people talking and get people engaged you know and so fair, fair play for using your platform Mick, do you keep in touch with some of your kind of close colleagues from the amateur team like katie and obviously you and paddy are Messers and all that, and Darren O'Neill and stuff like that. Do you do you keep an eye on them or? Of course, of course. No, I actually uh, not long ago I think I texted both Darren and Aaron Nolan and just says, "Listen, I was thinking about just um about all the teams. No, I had no great teams. Um, oh, I keep in touch with them. I always watch what they're doing and see how how things are moving. Pat me and Paddy are always going to be close. He's the godfather to my daughter and the godfather to his. Um. But I no, I'm, I'm still close with a lot of them. I still think keep in touch, give the text, the odd time, the a lot of them. Obviously, we all have our own lives now and different different kind of paths. Um, yeah, but it's always good to keep in touch. You reckon yeah. you'd see you and Katie on the same card maybe in Dublin sometime? It's it's, it's a promotional thing, isn't it? No, I would love mm, that. Yeah, but it's a promotional thing. Um, obviously, her, she's with the Zone and her, and I'm with Top Rank and ESPN, which are rival kind of you know promotion. So. Never say never, but you know, at the minute, I don't think so. For the good of the country, Mick. <laughs> For the good of the country. Um, <laughs> Mick, a, a while ago there, uh, and this, not not to, to, to go down another controversial kind of thing, but uh, a while ago, uh, we, we tweeted Carl Frampton about something. He tweeted back to us, and I've never seen... A divide like this before and I said I don't want it to be controversial or anything like that but Tato in Northern Ireland versus Tato in the Republic of Ireland yeah what's going on man what's going on with that divide I don't know but most of the of those ones in the north are shake <laughs> Tato in the south smokes Tato in the north easy yeah man dairy milk in the south Smokes dairy milk in the north. It's, there's no, there's no comparison. Well, the, the, don't tell me the card said the north. He did, yeah, he did. He 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 wasn't happy with us, including we we done a Chris Borough Cup essentially. Tied out cheese and onion, and he wasn't happy, man. He wasn't happy. He, he's just trying to keep my fan base happy, you know. You know that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, be honest, be honest with yourself. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. yes. You you actually tweeted, I think it was you after you announced for you said you you just want to get your Christmas dinner sorted now. Did did I presume you had it? You, you went mad, did you? Uh, Shauna Shauna cooked it. Mrs. cooked it. Um she done a good job in fairness, you know. Second time she's cooked it. Well, I usually go to my man and dad's, but yeah. she, the the first year, which was la- not last year, but the year before, um everything was going fantastic. She says everything is on point now. She went, I feel like I forgot something. She forgot the gravy. Oh no, man! Yeah. Oh, Lucky enough, Paddy lives around the corner from me. Called Paddy. He brought the gravy around. It was saved. 
received, and the dinner was fantastic. But <laughs> I broke my heart. Almost so, cost serious. Almost cost World War Three, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Wait, wait, what's the goal for this year? So world champion. And and that by the end of the year, yeah. Fucking love it. No doubt. Love it. No doubt, And where will that take place? Who knows? Belfast, possibly. And in in the in the beautiful field, possibly. So that's that's a possibility. Belfast or New York. Belfast or New York. Belfast would be sensational, wouldn't it? Home, home or home. You know what I mean. So it's yeah. Either or, I, 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 as long as I'm world champion, doesn't matter where it is. It could be in Timbuktu, it doesn't matter. I know once I get the opportunity, I'll win. Uh, once, once I pay for the title, I'll be me. I know I'll be, I'll be a world champion. Love it, man. Love it. A little scrap in the SSC arena up there wouldn't be a bad thing at all. Like, you know what I mean? Feel the feel of park, outdoor park. No, ten thousand clubs with them last year. That was that was amazing, wasn't it? See that the Falls Park. Falls Park is literally three minute walk from my ma's house. So a park where I grew up in, a park where I took fucking drugs in, a park where I done a lot of things when I was a kid. You know what I mean? I fucked about in a lot. Of, I probably get beat up in that park a few times. Um, you know, I had plenty of fights where I didn't get paid there. So played <laughs> an awful lot of footballer. And uh, then last year, something that. Wasn't even in my imagination in terms of like you know what I wanted to do in my career because everything, everything I've wanted to do I've done so far. Mm. I wanted to I I said about the MSG and stuff after top rank says you know, James says ah, I'll just be like this here and that and I was like nah this is the way I want to do it, the big entrance and all and he's like they don't do that they usually walk a wee small entrance and I was like no they'll do it so everything I've said I've done fucking fifty five thousand seater in Australia. On the packet, I won the card. Boxing and Bunny packet, I won the card. So that was a dream come true. Um, boxing Vegas already. Boxing the SSC Arena. The false part, I just didn't think I was even going to be possible. I didn't think there would be an event of any capacity to be able to home here. And the fact that they put a purposely built 10,000 seater, 10,000 seater arena up. There's plenty more than 10,000 in there, I'll tell you that. But yeah. If they built this arena just for me to fight in this park where I've grew up in West Belfast. Something I couldn't even have dreamed. Bob's you, been very good to you, hasn't he, in that sense? Like, um, what Bob has done, isn't everything Bob has, has said to me, he'll do, he's done. He's ticked every box. People talk as, this and that about Bob Arm. For me, Bob Arm's an absolute hero and a legend because everything he's done for me, he's, he, everything he says he'd do, he's done. Um, I believe every every word the man has said so far, and he, and he's backed them up. Obviously, you can't have people. There's so much thing about like promoters and stuff and trust and all that. There, and you know, in the long run, maybe something negative would happen. But you know, at the minute, I can't fault him. He, everything he's done, everything he's promised me, I, he's backed it. Does he want you to fight Frampton? He 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 calls that, but um, obviously with the kind of. Claim it the, uh, uh, at home, it wouldn't be a possibility. And plus, me and Carl are friends, like so. There's no, there's no point of striking up a beef that isn't there. Right, gotcha. You, you mentioned I did. <laughs> you know, if there was ten million on the table, and we're fifty-fifty, maybe let's do it. You know what I mean? Doesn't really matter. We were worth three, really, though. So, yeah. 
Have you uh, you mentioned Pacquiao there. What do you make of the talk of the, uh, potential Conor McGregor second boxing fight this time with Manny? I believe it. I believe it. You know, it's it's something. Can't doubt the man. I mean, he says mm. does. You know what I mean? So I don't doubt it. Um, will it happen? Most likely, it seems. Um, do I favour him? Not as much as uh, I didn't favour him against Floyd because uh, Floyd is probably the yeah. defensive fighter of all time. But uh, yeah, favour him against Pacquiao. No, I I'd be more worried than pa- of Pacquiao than Floyd because. Pacquiao's a vicious, vicious guy and still has it. You know what I mean? So it's it's I don't know. It's it's, it's not a fight I, I would I would take if I was him. Although we talk about money again, let's talk about money. We're going to talk big big numbers. So why not? And people probably be on like, oh, you're saying he would beat him and all. He walked out, you know, this year. It doesn't matter. I'm a, I'm a boxing man, and if I was to kind of go against my own boxing opinion, I'd look a bit like an idiot. And not my own man, but I am my own man, so I'm gonna say Pacquiao will win. But um, I wish Conor wins. Yeah, yeah. But before we let you go, Mick, and thanks, man, for being so generous with your time. Um, will you be tuning in Saturday night for Fury Wilder? Sunday morning, I'll get up. No way, I'm, yeah. I'm in a sleep routine. I can't be. I'm, a, I'm like a baby. I need to get my sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Who wins that, Mick? Heart says Fury, head says Wilder. Like, yeah. The guy just, like, you need to be concentrated for 36 minutes straight without any blinks. He just needs to be perfect for a half a second and you're done. He's a scary man. Scary power. But, don't taste, taste in the first time, can't do it in the second time. Can I do it again? It's a big ask, but please God. And what about Man City? Don't talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> thanks so much for being our 200th guest, our 200th episode guest. You're an absolute legend. I see oh, Christy Rubahini. Have you got him on? Yeah, we've had Chris, him on. Yeah, yeah, we had him on, yeah. Followed me back on Twitter recently. recently. I swear to God, he's the best Twitter follower I have. I love yeah. Ah, oh, he's brilliant. I'll I'll send you the link to our interview with him. You love it. Yeah, you can you can ignore me and Graham singing with him. Just just tune into him, like you know what? Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, oh, yeah, we had a little sing song with him. Missing you, fucking fantastic. I love it. <laughs> Deadly. Mick, yeah, thanks so much for joining us. If people want to get you on Twitter, it's at Mick Conlon eleven, and we'll all be tuning in a uh, couple of weeks time for the big New York. How he's um, Stuff. Yeah. Stuff. The wonderful Michael Conlon. Um, it was worth the wait. It was worth the wait. It was. Uh, I'm always fascinated to hear, like, you know what I mean? Like, not just professional athletes, man, but like, just people who are just fucking so dedicated to something. You know what I mean? Mm. People who are so passionate about stuff. I just love that shit. Eat that shit all day. Like, yeah, set yeah. goals and targets, and he wants to be the world champion. He's going to be the world champion by the sounds. He is, yeah, he is. Um, once he, once he absolutely steamrolls through Madison Square Garden on March seventeenth. Yeah, yeah, I love that. No matter who the person is, the second we have them on the podcast, we become a fan of them. Doesn't matter what <laughs> they're doing. I was, a, I was always like, a fan. No, I know, I know. But like, I mean, I generally feel as though we could have Benjamin Netanyahu on this podcast. 
No. <laughs> no, we couldn't. Let's not go down that road. <laughs> I just I just wanted to get a little it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a proper episode if I didn't try to wind you up a bit, man. Yeah. <laughs> you bastard. Um no, in all serious no. Uh yeah, yeah. Best of luck to Mick in New York in what about three three weeks time, just over three weeks time. Yeah, Paddy's there, yeah. That's it, man. That's it. Um love that. That's it now. Another century we're on to, and uh, the next two hundred. Don't know what we're going to do for episode two hundred one. <laughs> we'll talk to you in about June. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's. I think the, the way we've been doing this podcast lately, I think we're due now a little break. Are we? <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, we have a we have a guest booked in April. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. So we we'll wait till April. <laughs> worst case scenario, you'll hear from us in April. And no, lads, it's not Jesus. <laughs> it's not the Easter Bunny either. Don't be getting excited. Um, what Easter egg you get me this year, Graham? Um, Lint. Interesting. Did you, did you just go posh there to try and impress me? Yeah. All right, I'll accept it. To be honest with you, I will. What do you get me? Terry chocolate orange. Oh, it's not Terry's. It's mine. Very good. Very good. Do you know their Easter egg is actually made of the chocolate orange? Which, when you say it, you're like, obviously it is, man. That's their thing. Right. Do you know what I mean? They're not, not going to sell like a Terry's chocolate orange Easter egg that isn't a chocolate orange Easter egg. Like, do you know what I mean? What are you talking about? Like the Easter egg from Terry's chocolate orange. Yeah. Yeah. The chocolate of the Easter egg is chocolate orange. Yeah, because it's orange flavor. Yeah, I know, but like, I just thought it was going to be like an Easter egg, and you get like the traditional chocolate orange in the pack. Do you know what I mean? I haven't a clue. So the the Terry's chocolate orange Easter egg is chocolate orange. Why wouldn't yeah. it be? It's the Terry's chocolate orange Easter egg. I fucking know that now, Graham. <laughs> but my... Did you did just think it was going to be? A... I just thought it was going to be milk chocolate. Ah, for fuck's sake! I know, man. You should have seen me little face when I bit into it. I was like, oh my god, hang on a second. This is like. A huge amount of chocolate orange. Like, I was so happy. Uh, they're rotten anyway, man. They are not rotten. You fucking watch yourself now. They are rotten. Uh, they're absolutely rotten. They're not rotten. They're not. I don't want one of those. Can you try again. No, I won't try again. Frere Rocher. Oh, absolutely not. You're not getting that way with that. Do you know how much they're 10.99 gram? I'm not spending <laughs> that on you. You're getting whatever egg I can get out of the three for four euro deal. And you'll get one of them little small ones. Smarties, right. that's what you're getting. We'll discuss this when we return in April. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy, where can you listen to us? You can get all previous 199 episodes of this award-winning audio sensation presentation on WTSPod.com or you can go to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify or any podcast place you will find myself and himself they're waiting for you in audio format and it is delightful you can get us on twitter at wts pod he's at american mania everywhere and anywhere i'm at dan joe murray everywhere and anywhere and this has been wts 100 200 fuck it's doing so well <laughs> this has been wts 100 <laughs> what is that? <laughs> oh man, I was doing WTS hundred. So well. I was doing so fucking well, man. Oh, deadly! I was about to celebrate how well you did, and then you said, "This has been WTS hundred. 
Yeah. Anyways, until next time. None of, none of this is scripted, lads, and we don't <laughs> edit stuff out. When we make a mistake, we make a mistake, and you can laugh at us, and you can laugh at our cringy stuff at the beginning. Who cares? But tweet us and tell us your favourite episode from over the years. And we look forward to reading them as we sip a little bit of the bubbly. Until next time. Clear oils. All hearts. Can't lose. Too sweet. Look. <laughs>